BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Citizen. Uh, we have a very special guest today, Larry Hagner. Uh, tell people who you are. I, I think a lot of our audience probably knows, uh, but just in case someone doesn't. Sure. Uh, well, hey, it's great to be here. Uh, Larry Hagner. I am the uh, father of four boys, 16, 15, nine, and six. Uh, I've been married now. This will actually be my 20th year uh, being married uh, to, my, to the best woman on the planet. Uh, founder of the Dad Edge. Uh, Dad Edge podcast, Dad Edge Alliance, um, author of three books, and got another one coming up this year called The Pursuit of Legendary Fatherhood. And what is uh, the Dad Edge exactly? So the Dad Edge is a platform. It's a, it's a, I would call it a learning community of being a man, husband, and father. You know, obviously, it's, you know the the areas that we talk about. You know, managing your personal finances, creating creating extraordinary marriage. Uh, through elevated communication, connection, intimacy, um, creating a connection with your kids, right? With more patience, uh, better communication with them, being a better leader and optimizing our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Uh, that is what the data edge is. If you look at those five elements just in life in general, those are the five areas we probably get the least amount of training in. Like we know what polyelegrams are and we know what algebra and geometry and all that other stuff is. But when it comes to like, hey, how do I really... Uh, elevates the intimacy and communication with my wife, or I, cr I create psychological safety with my kids to where they want to tell me everything that's going on in their life, or if I just want to be a more effective leader. Uh, th these are the things that we do not have a whole lot of training around, and it's, a, it's really unfortunate, but that's what the data edge encompasses. Right. We've got a lot of training in, uh, yeah, uh, chemistry, which, you know, most folks probably won't have the opportunity to use at any point in their life unless they're in a in bar trivia maybe right but we don't <laughs> right. teach kids how to like a change a tire and 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 balance a checkbook and things like that it's always been it's always been kind of irritating to me i guess you know since the beginning of the 20th century public education specifically has been more about producing compliant workers than it is about actually educating people and preparing them for life um and, and luckily, we have a lot of folks out there in the community that are doing something about that now. But it's still an uphill climb. And on the um, <clears throat> the point you made about connection with your kids, I want you to expand on that some more. I was talking to somebody recently about that very subject and uh, what they animated to me about their childhood. You know, the lesson learned, the one that they now apply towards their children is that being present while obviously better than the alternative being not present isn't enough, right? Like you need a true connection between parent and child and, you know, it manifests in from the dad perspective. It's like, you know, this person's going to provide and protect for you. And then you learn from them how to exercise your masculinity, which is to provide and protect for, you know, the next generation, your children uh, and your spouse. And then from the female perspective, 
you know, you need to know that mom is compassionate and understanding and all that stuff. And you're going to learn how to be compassionate and understanding from her and pass that on to the next generation. It seems like there's a big divide. You know, everybody's so busy now and they think that's an excuse just to hand their kids an iPad and, you know, move on with their day and hope for the best. But uh, I'm guessing you don't agree with that. I don't. I don't at all. And I think I think one of the biggest gaps is this. Um, you know, you mentioned a lot of things in there that I think are so appropriate. The busyness factor, the distraction factor, you know, the fact that we are there, but we want to be even more there. You know, these are the things like if, if you look at anything that we do for a living, right? Like, let's just say a firefighter or a cop, let's just take a cop. 996 hours of training to go from cadet to officer, right? They don't let you fight crime. They don't let you do law enforcement unless you've been fully and completely immersed in training. And when it comes to be a parent, when it comes to being a parent or a father, uh, we go on a lot of instincts or we just simply repeat the patterns. And quite frankly, a lot of the patterns that we were raised with, some men come from a good place. Some people come from a so-so place. A lot of us don't come from a great place. Mm. So we're repeating patterns that we don't even necessarily agree with, but we don't don't even know any better. But if we're trying to break patterns, right, to be better, that can be equally as frustrating because we just do not have a map for that. We're literally like Christopher Columbus trying to find America and we're mapping out, you know, this thing as we go and we're hoping we don't fall off the face of the earth, right? Because we don't know if it's flat or round. Well, being a father and a husband is the same way, but here's what I'll tell you. When it comes to being a father and a husband, right, it's way more, as you know, uh, more than providing and it's way more than protecting and it's way more than it, those things, right? It's uh, it's being able to communicate with your kids. It's being able to teach them uh, re- emotional IQ. It's being able to teach them relationship skills, communication skills, um, navigating life and no better person, in my opinion, to do it than you know your 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 dad or your parents right instead we, you know we throw our kids out in this public school system which a lot of them are in and you're right it it really doesn't prepare them very well for life at all so if you're asking me about the how it's really you have to learn you have to number one be willing to to realize like hey just because i have the title of dad or father it doesn't mean i know how to do these things very well or it also could be like, maybe I know how to do them, but I don't necessarily know how to teach them very well. And that's that's okay because there's really, we don't have training around that, or at least we do now, but same thing with marriage. You know, I mean, there, there's a systematic, tactical skill set to be able to communicate effectively with your wife, to actually increase intimacy by using certain skills to do so. And most of us are just like, well, you know, we love each other and, you know, that should probably be enough. We'll figure it out, I, I think, right? We'll be all right. And then the same thing with our kids. And what it, what we what what we do over Dad Edge is that's not the way we go about it. Right. We go about it by learning and implementing certain skills. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, historically, uh, what, what people might refer to as the good old days when men were men, however you want to uh, regard that, um, we still didn't have any kind of formal training process that made good dads or made good husbands or made good men. But we did seem to manage at, at accomplishing that pretty well, right? Um, and, I, and I think it's um, <clears throat> the, the same – we find ourselves in kind of the same position that we find with self-discipline and self-governance where, you know, the, the need for it because of how large society has grown, grown and, 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 you know, all the, the comforts of life these days – we've kind of lost the ability to do things naturally. So now we have to go put ourselves in difficult situations, uh, I, I guess, inorganically to get the same benefits that we have historically from that. Right. So, you know, <clears throat> when there's not the, when, when you don't have the internet and tender and thousands of different options for a wife, typically it's going to be somebody in your community or somebody that you run into along the way. Uh, then, you know, the obvious choice there is to commit to that person and give them a hundred percent of yourself all the time and make it work. Right. And, and, and sharpen that iron. And the same thing with, you know, just discipline in general. Um, everybody wants to go on some stupid fad diet these days, but just instead, instead of just le- learning the lessons from the last 150,000 years of human evolution, you know what I mean? Uh, but it, this is where we do find ourselves where, Life has become too comfortable and we are paralyzed by too many options. And you do have to build 
you have to build structure around these things that matter to you now to make sure that you stay disciplined and do them the correct way, whether it's working out, whether it's your diet, whether it's, you know, being a good dad, right? All these things, it, it seems like, why are you writing a book on how to be a good dad? Shouldn't you just know how to do that? No, that's stupid, right? That doesn't make any sense. Just because that, this is the point I'm making, because people were able to do it back in the day. They were just fighting to stay alive back then. You know what I mean? It's not the same now. You have to find inorganic ways to build structure, to support all these things that you want to do. I totally agree. I, I think that's one of the things that that's one of the biggest misses. That's one of the biggest, I think, lies that we we've been told or we tell ourselves is like, well, if you're a dad, you should know how to do it or it should come naturally to you or your, your, your love for your kids. That should be enough. It's not, and it's not, it's not the same even for your marriage as well. You know, once, once you really dial in, you know, here's, here's one in particular, as it relates to your wife and kids, your wife and kids actually have the same three basic needs that they need from us and basically the world. And that is to feel seen, to feel heard, and to feel safe. Your wife has those three basic needs, and so do your kids. So the cool thing about that is normally when I when I share that with men, um, I just simply ask them, hey, do you know the three basic needs of your, of your wife and your kids? It's a deer in the headlights. They just don't know. They're like, I don't know, to be protected, to be led, to be loved, and it's actually seen, heard, and safe. Our three basic needs as men is to be respected, appreciated, and validated. That last one isn't so isn't so easy for men to hear, but it's absolutely true. At the end of the day, we do want some kind of verification or some kind of stamp of approval saying, yes, you are enough. You're doing enough. You are enough. You are enough of a dad. You're enough of a father. Everything in between. It's a deep-seated thing for men. But what I'll tell you is just to really understand how to really hit this home is that, you know, if you really look at the communication dynamics between a man and a woman, right? A woman comes home, she wants to talk. Maybe she's venting. Maybe she wants to tell you something good. Maybe she wants to tell you something bad, but she's, she's telling you something, right? Now, normally what happens is, is we normally go into problem solving mode, fix it mode, or we, we start to literally start to think about how is this conversation going to play out? How can I help? How can I assist? How can I lead all these different things? And that's great because that's exactly how the world has gotten to the world it's at now as far as advancements and all the things we've done is, is men are phenomenal problem solvers, unbelievable problem solvers. But when it comes to our marriages and our kids, it's actually not necessarily what's needed. What's really needed is, is when your wife is sharing those things with you, she's not looking for direction. She's not even necessarily looking to be led. And she certainly usually isn't looking for solutions. What she's really looking for is I'm telling you this because I want to connect with you. I'm telling you this because I want to talk to you. I'm telling you this because it's like my dream to sit down with my husband and just talk about our days. And for us, that's it's a hard one to kind of swallow, even though we love our wives. Mm. So like, for instance, if you and I were to have a conversation or about anything, whether it's business, whether it's fitness, marriage or anything, if I were to come to you and say, hey, you know, I've, I've noticed that you know, you really have your finances dialed in or you really have your marriage dialed in. You know, and Jessica and I, we've been struggling with communication, especially around finances. I'm not exactly sure what to do. Now, I am telling you that stuff from man to man, not because I want you to hear me and not because I need validation. It's because I want you to tell me what you think I should do. How do I fix this? How do I solve this? Like, that's how we communicate as men. When it comes to our kids and our wives, sometimes that's needed. Mm. Most of the time, I would argue it's not, but that's one of the biggest misses. Sure. I mean, I, it makes sense to me. Um, well, one, I've heard uh, women animate that same thought in the past, so it's not, uh, it's not, uh, I don't think you're off base and I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's not obvious to dudes. I do, th I do agree with you that it is difficult for us because we want, like it's, it's, sure. a, it's the same thing with raising kids. And, and I have these conversations with parents all the time. It's like, it's really tough to watch your kids struggle or be in pain or be upset. It's tough. You know what I mean? But you know, <clears throat> struggling is what makes somebody stronger. And it, you know, I mean, that, that's probably the hardest part I would, I would imagine about being a dad is letting your kids fail, even in a controlled environment. So they learn lessons or so they get tougher 
and things like that. Now with a wife, that that's man, that's tough, right? Like it's 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 rough with kids because you love your kids, you don't want to yeah. see them struggle, but you can see in the parent child dynamic how it's necessary. It's very obvious why that's necessary, even though it is very difficult to accomplish it. Um, but with the wife, it's like this is the person you love most on earth, and there there's a problem, and I want to fucking. It's like every thing in your fucking biology was like I got to fix this problem for her so how what kind of strategies you have I, I I know that just generally speaking when you're butting up against uh biological urge versus the reality of a situation taking a beat and trying to conceptualize the other person's point of view is a really important thing but what, what are some steps that people might take um from the male side to like sure. you know really make sure because you have to be deliberate about things like this right it's not just gonna to be honest I'm not sure that I would ever just get into the habit of doing that because my entire biological imperative is to solve problems all the time you know what I mean to create standoff provide protect all that stuff what are some strategies that you found successful for that yeah and I I can tell you that there's a time and a place for that Mm. right to solve the problems to provide and protect you know to to listen to that biological intuition and then there are times to absolutely override it because it won't. Well, yeah, and the safety of your own home, right? If, right? if there's not an immediate threat somewhere, take a beat probably, sure. right? yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so let, let's just take a, a typical run-of-the-mill situation. I'll give you even all the psycho- psychology behind this. So let's just talk really, really quickly here about um, positive emotions, negative emotions, and the power of labeling an emotion, okay, with somebody else. So if somebody is really, really happy about something, you know, like, so let's just say you come home and your wife is like, hey, guess what? I I booked that trip to Hawaii that we've been trying to book. I, we've been looking for deals like for months now. I mm-hmm. finally found a deal and we got it basically for half off and we're going in June. I am so excited. Right. So that's a positive emotion. Now. The best thing you can possibly do when someone is experiencing a positive emotion is to label that emotion like, oh my gosh, that must have made you feel amazing, right? That I guarantee that made you feel so happy that you got that done, right? So when we label that emotion, we actually intensify that emotion for the other person and they feel connected to us because they feel seen. They're like, man, not only do I feel this, but he feels it too. And he sees me feeling this. So not right? just like a high five and pat on the back, congratulations, but right. actually deliberately using the word, hey, that's not, and not, you're not even complimenting them. You're, you're speaking directly to their experience, right? You're not saying, hey, great right. job. You're saying, hey, that must make you feel great. Yeah. So what you're actually looking for is not like great job, right? Mm-hmm. On the thing. You're actually looking for the feeling that they feel. Right. Like, oh my gosh, like that must have been a huge relief and made you so happy. So instead right. of just like, because a, a great job can feel like a pat on the head kind of, right? Exactly. It can feel really condescending. Okay. Almost like, oh, good job, peon, right? Like, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we don't mean it that way at all. Right? Yeah, but it doesn't really yeah. go uh, very far. I mean, but that's one of the big problems in, in relationships is uh, the the poor or ineffective communication leads to one person or both not feeling appreciated, and that leads to bitterness and cynicism, right? Which ultimately leads to nihilism, which leads to the relationship ending. This episode of The Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-operated... God fucking damn it. Learn to fucking read, bitch. This is for Black Rifle Coffee Take 2. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wide uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, 
Use the code CITIZEN and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code Drinking Bros at GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff. For about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is also brought to you by trifume.com. Use the code CITIZEN to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 Fume to help kickstart your positive habits. Uh, Fume is one of our favorite products out there for smoking cessation. Uh, and by the way, it's F-U-M. That's how you spell it. So be smart. Uh, don't start. Kick the habit. Put it out before it puts you out. All phrases we've heard for 100 years now, and people still continue the bad habits. It's an addictive substance, but in addition to that, it's the, the hand-to-mouth habit is very addictive as well. So our sponsor, Fume, is on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits that consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. Fume is not a vape. It's not an electronic device designed to transform uh, one negative habit into another negative habit. Instead, uh, pods of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. Also, it's the new version too. It's uh, it's snappy and tactile. It's better than the original. Adjustable airflow dial, a magnetic end cap. Uh, your fingers always have something to, uh, to to do there. So it is. Uh, I, I enjoyed the original wooden one, uh, just wood, but this one is better. It's better. Uh, it's it's got a lot more. Uh, uh, I guess tactile was the right word for it. I'm glad they wrote that in the copy. So the easiest way to stop. A bad habit is to switch to a positive one, and Fume is designed perfectly to do just that. It's Fume's goal to make switching easy and even enjoyable. They have thousands of five-star reviews from people just like you, just like citizen uh, listeners, who've been uh, who've successfully switched when other solutions did not work. So head to tryfume.com and use the code CITIZEN to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. Again, the Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 Fume to help kickstart your positive habits. So that's tryfume.com. That's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com. Use the code CITIZEN to save an additional 10% off in your order today. Right. Yeah, and you, you know, a lot of people, what they'll do is they, they don't understand this from a psychological standpoint, right? Or what, what a lot of people do is they'll be like, I will do this with the expectation that I want her to respond in this way. Mm. So like a lot of guys will go do the thing, but they're so tied to that, she's got to respond like this, right? She's got to respond like this. So, and if she doesn't, then mission failed. It's actually not the case at all. In fact, if your relationship has experienced anything, any type of turbulence, or if you don't feel that close and you start trying these tactics, your wife might look at you and be like, well, yeah, I am excited. And then she'll be kind of puzzled. Like, why are you responding like that? Like, Mm. but she'll be thinking like, I really, really like this. Like, is this here to stay? And she'll kind of like, look at you. One of the things we do uh, when guys join our mastermind communities, they're on a kickoff call with me. One of the things I have them do is while they're on kickoff calls with me, and this is a big group, anywhere from 10 to 15 guys, I'm like, all right, guys, get your phones out. And they'll bring up their wife's name in the text message. I'm like, I want you to text your wife this right now. What is something I currently do that makes you feel most loved? What is something I currently do that makes you feel most loved? And by the way, side note, that's another skill. It's called generative questions. When you ask a question like that, by the way, don't ever ask how, how was your day? Oh my God, it's a terrible question. <laughs> it's a horrible question, but we're, it's a default question that requires no thinking and it requires zero thinking or connection for the other person to ask you. Fine, mm-hmm. good, busy, crazy, boring, right? 
But when, when we ask a question like that, what I'll, what I'll tell men is, is like, I'm going to give you guys a heads up. Some of you guys are going to get a flooded response of like, oh my gosh, it's when you do this and it's when you do that and it's when you do these things. And some of you guys are going to get maybe a list or one or two things. And some of you guys are going to be like, what's wrong? Why are you asking me this? This is really, really random, right? But the psychology behind, even though this is really, really random is that's a really great question. I really love the fact that you asked it, but they're also like, they're on suspect of like, yeah. why are you asking me this? Yeah. Right. So, but the cool thing about a generative question like that, and then I'll get back to what I was talking about before with, with, um, uh, labeling somebody's emotion is when you gen, when you ask a generative question, very different from a regular question, they're generating vision, mm. emotion, connection, feelings, visions, ideas, all these things. So I tell guys, when you ask your wife, what is something I currently do that makes you feel most loved? And they get a list of like three different things. Your wife, as she's reflecting and typing out this on a text message, she's reliving these things that you've done. And it's actually elevating how she feels about those things that you do and you, and she's telling it to you. So now what your wife really just did was, is you now have a pretty good indicator of what your wife's love language mm. is, but not just like acts of service or quality time. What she just did was is she gave you very specific things. It's like taking a sniper scope and putting it on a rifle mm. versus like this shotgun blast of like love languages. But right. I know I'm kind of jumping around with generative questions, but I can get back to most. No, that makes labels. a lot of sense. I mean, that's a that's that's a strategy that we use in marketing as well, right? It's positive. It's a positive feedback loop almost. It's like, yeah. you know, you reward uh, the person by showing interest in them. It's affinity based marketing, basically, right? And and yeah. uh, not not to devalue. Like I don't. I say things like that sometimes because the psychology is similar. Not because you're trying to trick somebody into caring more. It's just strategies that work effectively, right? Like the ultimate yeah. end state that you're looking for is to have a great relationship with your wife. And anything you got to do to get to that point, it's not. It, there's. It's not cheating. It's not shortcuts. It's strategy. It works, right? If everybody's it's, happy it, at the end of the day, who gives a shit how you got there? Right. I mean, and it's, you know, you talk about like sales and marketing, right? I mean, there's a skill set behind that. There's a psychological impact of somebody seeing a certain, you know, uh, brand, right? Or a certain message, like they feel a certain way. And from a marketing standpoint, the people who are experts in marketing, they're like, hey, if we really want to cle clearly state what this product does or the desired outcome of this product, we know what it does and we're clear on it. So like, we'll just throw it out there and be like, they'll understand it. They'll get it. Well, they won't. What, what we need to do is like, we need to psychologically really understand what does this person need to see and hear to really clearly understand what this thing will do for you. And we got to be able to articulate it very, very clearly. It can't be just something we understand. They have to understand it. And our wives and our kids, believe it or not, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So, um, what are, uh, I guess, from, from the male-female perspective, you, you said that um, the three basic needs for women and children are to be seen, heard, and safe. And for men, it's respected, appreciated, and validated. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. If, if you're a male in a relationship and you're not feeling those three things, um, you know, it's one thing to go out of your way to provide the three that you uh, mentioned for, for women and kids and do your part of it. But how do you have that conversation with the, with your spouse about yeah. like, I don't feel the, like these are three things that you need and I'm trying to do this. How, how can you do this? Because it's, that's a touchy conversation to have because ultimately or immediately it implies that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. At least that's how it's going to be received. Right. Sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways you can do this, but let's, again, let's kind of bring it back to, um, the psychology of what most men will do, right? And what most people will do. If we if we feel slighted in a certain way, or we feel like, hey, I'm doing this and I'm not getting this from you, right? I'm doing my part, but you're not doing your part. That's a that's gonna be a triggered conversation, no matter what way you slice it, unless you know some skills to make it less triggering and and keep the person more on the offense. Mm. But the deeper psychological thing here is being able to state what you need, want, and desire without being tied to the outcome. And what I mean by that is what most, let's just take a certain situation, okay? Sex is like the easiest thing in the world for a guy to relate to. So let's just say like, hey, I'm in the mood to have sex. 
sex tonight mm. and I really want to have sex. It's been a while since my wife and I have had sex and I want to have sex. So I'm going to ask her. And there's a, usually for, for a lot of guys, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of even, they, they don't even want to ask it. Right. Because what they're tied to is that. Yes. They're tied to her saying yes. And if she says no, well, holy shit, what does that mean for us? It can mean a whole host of different things. It could be like, maybe she's tired of me. Maybe I'm boring. Maybe she's had, yeah, I joke with my wife all the time. I was like, you've had the same dick for 26 years. You might be bored of it at this point. You're just joking with her. But like, it's all these things that we we tell ourselves when in actuality, she might have a headache or she's just not in the mood, mm. right? Some way, shape or form. So what I always tell men to do is you have to refocus validation and not in the yes or her response. You have to focus the validation and the fact that you asked for it. That's it. Because the way... If you're, if your validation is so focused on the end result and the end game, your approach is actually going to be terrible and it's not going to land well for your wife. And I'll give you an example. What a lot of guys will do is this, especially if they're tied to the yes, they'll be like, yeah, you know, so it's, it's really, it's been a while, you know, since we've, since we've had sex and, you know, I was just kind of wondering like, you know, kids that we may put the kids down, you know, tonight early or something like that, or it's just been a long time. And like, I'd, I'd really would just like to be with you tonight. Now, for a guy to ask that, his heart's probably racing, and he's like, "Oh my God, what is she gonna say?" And if she's like, "Yeah, probably, probably not tonight," then all of a sudden he's like, "Shit, I knew it. I shouldn't have asked in the first place. I knew she was gonna say no. I'm probably not good enough. I'm probably boring. I'm probably this. We're probably that. Maybe our marriage is going to hell in a handbag." And then they'll start to make all these assumptions. And then what usually a guy will do is he'll get internally pissed off and resentful. And then he'll start to distance himself, which by the way, will only make that problem even worse. So that's the psychology behind what most men will do. What most human beings will do is they'll ask for that thing and they'll be so tied to the outcome that they want that they, they actually bring it across in this sort of like needy, desperate energy, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. good energy to have. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. One of the things I like to tell people um, is that most of the time in life, you can't control the outcome. You can control your attitude and your effort. And that's yep. pretty much it. Um, so it's like, whenever I, I, this is something I try to do, obviously not as well as, as I would like to, or probably as well as is necessary. But if I find myself in a position where I'm not getting what I want, I ask myself first, if I'm putting in the correct effort with the right attitude to get it. For example, if the only time you, are intimate with your wife is when you're having sex, you're going to have sex less and less as time goes on yeah. because yep. they validate the, uh, the intimacy in one way, which is through uh, affectionate touch and things like that. And you validate it through, you know, sex dudes don't really, for the most part, get that validation out of cuddling. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is. So it's a biological imperative to, to have sex. So, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean, that just because that's the way you're programmed by nature that you don't have to respond to how this woman is programmed by nature. How, how like that doesn't make any sense. Right. Correct. Yeah. I'm not yeah, really, so we, we get, we get caught up on that stuff. Like, Oh, that's when, when somebody says that's how I am, I feel like sometimes it, it is an excuse, but sometimes I feel like they're trying to communicate to you, right. That this is, I'm trying to lay bare the facts of the case so we can find a way to navigate this together. I, I just, but, but again, it's not a great way to, to, to articulate that problem. Right. It's not, um, there's a better way. Uh, and like I said, a lot of these, like, like, so let's just take marriage. For instance, one of the things that we teach at dad edge is we teach men nine different skill sets within communication alone within marriage. Right. Uh, it, and I, I can go over that if you want, but let's talk about one of them. Mm. This is actually not ours. Uh, so I always have to give credit where credit is due. Clearleadership.com. Uh, they teach clear communication skills, obviously, but through a leadership lens. But they teach this um, beautiful, incredible skill called the cube. And the cube is a four-step process. And let me just explain what it is. So the cube is observations, thoughts, feelings, wants. And that's how you have. And so if you, if you're about ready to go have a triggered conversation, you can use the cube. Now, let me, let me just kind of give you an example of how most people who don't let, let's take the cop who never went to the police Academy, mm. but somehow, some way he's out on the street and he's fighting crime. Right. And this is what most uneducated people do in their marriages. If they don't know this communication skill, what they'll do is let's just take sex. For instance, 
be like, gosh, man, like, I feel like we haven't had sex in a long time. I don't really know why we haven't had sex in a long time. I feel like you're really not in the mood a lot. I don't know why that is. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I'm not really sure like what, what the solution is here, but I would, you know, I'm, I don't know what's going on with us, but I feel like something's wrong. Now, if you go barreling into your wife and you have that kind of conversation, it doesn't matter if it's your wife, your kid, your boss, coworker, or friend, that is a triggered conversation. You basically just hit somebody with boom. All they feel is like, holy crap, I'm being attacked right now. And now I have to defend, right? They don't, they don't even know what you're, where we're fighting about. They just know like, I just need to defend what, what you're doing here. So that is what people normally do. They just come barreling in with whatever it is, especially if they're resentful. The cube, let's take the first one, observation. Observation is something that we can both agree on. I see that you have Tim Kennedy's book in the background. You have a plant, a water bottle. Those are observations that you and I can both agree. They're there, right? They're there. Mm -hmm. So I can say to my wife, I've noticed over the past couple of months that we haven't had sex as often as we usually do. Normally we have sex about twice a week. And I've noticed over the past couple of months, we've had sex like every other week. Now that's an observation we'll both agree on because it's the absolute truth. Mm -hmm. That's the observation. The thought. Now the difference between a thought and a feeling is a thought is, is a sentence and a feeling is one word. So like a thought, and we usually get this wrong all the time. We'd be like, I feel like you really don't like me anymore. Well, that's not a feeling. That's actually a thought. Mm -hmm. I think you don't like me anymore. That's a thought. So like, for instance, when I make an observation like that and I move to a thought, I say, I've noticed over the past couple of months, we haven't had sex nearly as often. Normally we have sex about twice a week. And over the past couple of months, we've averaged like once every other week. And the story that I'm telling myself, this is where you get to thoughts. The story I'm telling myself is, gosh, man, maybe we're busy. Maybe we're just really, really tired. Maybe we're just so overwhelmed with the kids' activities by the time we hit the pillow, we're exhausted. Or maybe, and this is the only insecure, dumb thing that I tell myself, is maybe you've had the same dick for 26 years and you're just kind of tired of me, mm. right? And, I, and I'll add some humor to it, but that's, those are thoughts. Then I progress down to feelings. And the feeling is one word. And I say, when I have those thoughts, I feel concerned. That's it. And then I get to wants because what I truly want is to be intimate with you more often because I know when we're intimate, we feel more aligned. We feel better. We feel less stressed and we feel more loved. That's mm. a much different approach than why aren't we having sex anymore? I don't understand it. Is something wrong with me? Like one is going to go one way and one is going to go the other. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, uh, it isn't uh, necessarily about one of them being, ethically right and one of them being ethically wrong it's just a matter of what's effective right i mean yes, you're totally and th this is the same thing you know good managers do this in business relationships all the time. i'm not i'm not implying that uh, a man is managing his wife in this scenario i'm just saying in the interpersonal communication world this is a strategy that's always very effective right like you accept um responsibility for failures and you give credit for uh, uh, for successes. That's a good yeah. Like that's a good standard for a manager to have. And the best part about it is that it it smooths the the overall uh, risk. I guess risk smoothing. If you're a risk management person, it, it it diffuses it over a larger area. Like hey, we're all we all need to do better, not you need to do better. And then when it's a success, it empowers the individual to, to achieve more. Right. And I think those are really good strategies. Yeah. I mean, cause one is going to, and this, like, this is not like the silver bullet, right? It mm -hmm. doesn't mean like, Oh, if I use the cube, then I'm going to have great conversations all the time, but you probably will 80% of the time. Here's the, here's the fascinating thing about, about using a skill set called the cube, which again is by clearleadership.com. When you have a GPS, like I'm talking to us, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I need to have this conversation. I don't know what words to use. And I don't know how to do it. But when you have a GPS of like, okay, so I can start here, 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 and then here by using the cube. Well, that gives me actually a very clear message. Now, what happens is, is when we feel really confident and clear with what we're about ready to go say, we come across confident and clear. Mm -hmm. We don't come across as like emotionally charged, resentful, kind of attacking the other person. Here's the other cool thing. When we land on the once, and I always, when, I, when we train people on stuff like this, we always, we always help men with voice tone. Voice tone is key. So when you end off on something like, and what I truly want is to be intimate with you more often, because I know when we're more intimate more often, 
we feel less stressed. We feel more connected and we, we love each other more. Every, just everything is better. Now, normally when you end off on a want, the person is usually a lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot of times is like, yeah, I want that too. Mm. Right. So no longer are we fighting now with each other, right? Because you're just coming at me with like all this energy and resentment. Now it's like, well, wait a second. Yeah. You know, I, I want that too. And so the, the next step in the conversation is like, well, how do we get there? Versus like, well, let's just keep fighting about it and get resentful. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, uh, I've, I've heard Jordan Peterson say this before one of the, uh, and that some it's, it's not his strategy. Somebody came up with this a very long time ago in, in a, um, it was, uh, I guess a debate strategy for politics more so to kind of get people on the same page and break through like hardline misunderstandings. But one of the strategies is if two people are, are in a deadlock in an argument, something good to do is have one person explain the other person's position back to them to their satisfaction. So if you and I were arguing about uh, some, whatever it is, I tell you what I think your position is. Like I repeat it back to you and you, and until you say, yes, that's exactly what I believe. And it, the, the purpose of that is what you just said. It's to get all the facts on the table and give people the opportunity to project onto those facts and come to some kind of consensus. Because if you just yeah. say uh, this particular action, whatever it happens to be, whether it's sex or, or going out or do whatever it is, if this particular action is not happening enough, what do you think that is? You're not giving the person a whole lot of uh, uh, ammo, I guess, or you're not giving them that. That's not really a good setup to to start, you know, having a conversation about it. It's it, it's kind of framed in. Even if you say it's both of us, it's still kind of framed in an accusatory way, and it's. I, I think you, it does make people super defensive. It does, and there's there's one other tweak here too. When when you're reflecting back on what the other person might be thinking or feeling, uh, have you had Chris Voss on your podcast? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay, so Chris Voss used to be the chief hostage negotiator for the FBI. Wrote the book Never Split the Difference, and he is just he is a communication genius. He knows all the psychology. Um, I've had him on my podcast twice, and I was joking with him on, on his book. I was like, your book is called Never Split the Difference, but it should be something along the lines of like having a master's degree, a PhD in communication, the psychological psychological impact on that. He's like, yeah, but nobody would probably buy that, right? But if you really look at what Chris is talking about, what you're talking about here with the with reflecting back what the other person's position might be, what a lot of people do, and I always steer people away from this, is say, what I think your feeling is, or what I'm hearing you say is this. He, Chris talks about never, ever, ever do that. Like, and that's such a habit for people. No, even if we're not even like in the zone of like, I'm going to reflect back what I think you're saying and be like, well, what I'm hearing you say is this, because psychologically, subconsciously, how that lands for the other person is like, wait a second, this is not about you. This is about me. Right. And even Why if they, even if they you? agree with you, you've now made them prickly. Right? Yeah. It doesn't, even even it doesn't towards matter. their own actual belief. Right. Which is right. not, that's not good. Cause now you can't get anywhere. Exactly. So when you're reflecting back, like, so if I'm reflecting back to my wife or kids, right. And I might say something like, you're probably thinking that this entire situation is absolutely crazy. And you're probably even wondering like, why is dad even talking about this? He must be off his freaking chain. Like I am so confused right now. This, right. And that I'll reflect it back without saying like, what I'm hearing you say is this, or mm -hmm. what I think you're thinking is this. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, we've talked a lot about the uh, parent-child communication, or I'm sorry, the parent, or I'm sorry, the spouse communication, but I want to talk some about um, how to deal with your kids. I mean, look, oh, yeah. it's um, you make the point that there isn't really a handbook for this stuff, and we've kind of been piecing it together. And look, that's how it's always been, but... Um, it seems like things have, have gone downhill very quickly in, in the not necessarily the amount of effort that people put into parenting their kids, but definitely the strategies that they, they put into it. I mean, it's, we, we, you, you can't really deny that we've, the last two generations of Americans are substantially weaker than the previous four. Right. So uh, what, what do you have to say about that? So if you really, uh, I'm sure you probably know Carol Dweck, mm -hmm. um, 
I think it's grit, you know, growth mindset versus mm. fixed mindset and yeah. all that. Right. There's actually a beautiful way, man, that you can train your kids to be growth mindset. You can train them to have conversational excellence. You can have, have conversational skills that are excellent, right? You can also train them, uh, to basically you are the go-to, right? You can come to me with anything, right? Anything, anything bad come to me. You're drunk at two o'clock in the morning. You can call me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like barrage you with blame, shame, pain, and all, guilt and all this other stuff. Right. So the way to do that is become an excellent conversationalist yourself. And one of the things we teach men is you can ask your kids three questions every day that will elevate your connection with your kids. Number one, right. You'll get to know your kids on a whole new level. They'll look at you as like, dad is like my freaking go-to man. Mm. Like I can tell that guy anything and he's in my life. He's interested and it's awesome. And subconsciously, psychologically, you are building grit and a, and a growth set, my growth mindset in your kids. So I, I can explain those if you want. Yeah, please. First question. So kids come home from school. Normally what men do or parents or anybody, how, how is school? Shittiest question on the planet. Cause your kid is going to give you the same crappy answer. Boring, mm. terrible, crazy. It was good. Fine. Whatever. Right. I don't ask, how was your day? Here's what I ask. Tell me about the best part of your day today. Now I'll, I'll rephrase that question in several different ways. Tell me a part of your day today where you felt on top of the world. Tell me a part of your day today that brought you joy. Tell me a part of day today that made you laugh hysterically. So I'll, I'll rephrase that question just to kind of mix it up. But basically what I'm doing is that's a generative question to guide and bring my kids into something that they're proud of and something that is going to raise their energy with me and connect me to them. So like, for instance, be like, dad, we had the fitness test today in gym class and you'll see them light up like, Oh, well, what'd you do? He's like, ah, dude, I broke the record for pushups, dad. This is a true story with my 15 year old. He's like, I, did, I cranked out 67 pushups. Like, Holy crap, man. Like, you must feel on top of the world. Now, what I just did there too is I labeled him, right? I matched his energy and I labeled what he's probably feeling, right? And I didn't say I'm so proud of you. I'd be like, you must feel like you're on top of the freaking world, man. Tell me more. And why is and that? It, why is it more important to match their emotion and label it than it is to say you're proud of them? So you, I mean, you can use "I'm proud of you," right? Mm -hmm. But, but also, like, it's it can also be very, very dangerous because a kid will actually label if they are good or bad based on if dad is proud of them right mm -hmm. so if the, if if we miss the the boat and we so if we're always saying i'm so proud of you right you did this this and this well then the pride actually comes from the result and maybe not from like what dweck talks about which is actually right. the work right it's the result and not the work like if my kid worked his ass off and got a c on the science test but he learned from it and he knows what he's going to do different to bring that grade up then i don't really care i i just want him to to be proud of his work, what he learned and how he evolved okay. and how he's better. Right. So that's the difference there. So that that's question number one. Um, question number two, this is where you develop a growth mindset. You also create an environment of what's called psychological safety, where you're getting day after day, rep after rep, your kids telling you tough things that they might not be so proud of. And this is what that question looks like. Tell me about something that you failed at today. And what'd you learn from it? Or tell me something that challenged you today and you overcame it. Any question like that, where you're basically bringing them to one of the lowest parts of their day. Now, this is where, how you and I grew up. I don't know how you grew up, but this is how I grew up. If, if I opened Pandora's box and said something like, so if I asked my kid, tell me something that was tough for you today. Mm. And they'll be like, uh, and you'll see them. Uh, I got my science test back, dad. Okay. Well, tell me more. What happened? I got a D on the science test. Now, in my in my dad brain, I might be. This is where biology has to override how you're going to interact, right? Because in my dad brain, I'd be like, "Dude, I freaking told you to get off your phone. I told you to study for that test. We knew this test was coming up. I knew you weren't studying for it. What what the heck happened here, right? Now, normally, what happens is we say that kind of stuff out loud, and which is somewhat appropriate but not effective. Because basically the message you're sending your kid is don't tell me the tough stuff because right. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to kill you with guilt with it. Right. So instead they'll be like, yeah, I got a D on the science test. I'll be like, Oh, tell me about that. I don't say, why did you get a D? Because as soon as I say, why did you get a D that's accusatory? Mm -hmm. And I basically just 
unloaded a whole bunch of guilt on us. So I say, tell me more about that. I'm going to get, I'm going to get more if I invite him to tell me more. Like, oh, tell me more about that. And then he'll tell me and be like, you know, I, uh, I didn't expect a lot of the questions on the test and, you know, it was, it was tougher than I thought. And, you know, they'll, they'll go round and round with like their excuses and whatever. And then I'll be like, yeah, you know, that's, that's probably good information. Well, let me ask you this. If you were to study for this test, I'll get prepared for this test all over again. What would you do different? Mm. And they'll be like, well, I studied th one through three chapters. I didn't study four through six, those chapters. I probably would have done those more. I probably would have put a little bit more time in. I didn't study the night before. I probably studied the night before because that would have given me some refreshers and that kind of thing. I might have even studied over lunch a little bit just to review. And I'll, I will praise them for that. I'll be like, you know what? That's really fantastic information. When's your next test? And they'll be like, oh, it's actually next Thursday. Okay. Well, based on what you've learned through this process, what would you do different getting ready for the next one? And they'll tell me. They'll tell me their plan, which, by the way, if somebody psychologically tells you their plan and how they're going to solve the problem, it's going to be way more effective and they have way more skin in the game to go execute that plan versus if I lecture him for 15 minutes on why it's so important that he studies for his next test and how he's going to do it and I'm going to make sure he does it otherwise he's grounded. Right. So it actually takes a crap ton of work off of us and you're raising a kid with a growth mindset who is also becoming a very good decision maker and a very good problem solver. You know what's uh, funny about that is this is the same way that we train uh, privates in the military, right? Yeah. So it's like we'll do we'll run a course, um, we'll run a lane at a shooting range or whatever it is, and the after action review goes something like this: you start with sustains. What do we do well, right? Then you move on to improves. Like how do we improve what we're doing here? And then you cap off with a positive plan of action, right? So what are some positive or affirmative steps, things that we can actually do to improve on these uh, weaknesses that we have? You know what I mean? And you, the, yeah. the it, it, it's almost like a mini town hall, like the, the first sergeant and ca commander or the platoon sergeant and, and, and uh, platoon leader aren't the ones necessarily who give that information. It's middle management or it's the lower level guy himself. Like, I know I did this right. And, you know, it's almost playing off the same thing as the um, the Ikea effect, right? Where you, if you receive something 80% assembled and you build the last 20%, you feel a greater sense of ownership over it. That's the short version of that. And I, I agree. Just getting in the habit of, like, critical self-evaluation to the point of improvement, right? Not to the point of, you know, putting on a sackcloth and, and rubbing ashes all over yourself and, and bitching and moaning about it, but actually like, Hey, this is the reality of the situation. And here's a plan of action by which we can improve. What you're explaining to me is exactly how I trained infantry soldiers. Right. And it, and it's because yeah. it's fucking works. We don't have like, it's, it's a meritocracy. We either get good or we die. Right. And right. look, the stakes aren't necessarily as high raising kids, I guess in some cases it is, but uh, effective is effective. That's just, that's just how it works. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, what, what, what arena you're in. I, I totally agree. And you can frame these really great questions, whether they're on the, on the battlefield or training soldiers to training kids on how to navigate life. Right. Um, the, the third and final question is this, I call this question, the Netflix to be continued. So basically what you did was in the first question, you basically guided your kid into gratitude, right? And then when they told you something that they were proud of, you got to hear something besides good, fine, busy, boring, right? You got to hear something that was a high point moment for them, which actually when someone is connected to you and sharing some exciting news, I don't care who you are, you feel more connected to that person, right? That next question, that instills a growth mindset. This also instills of like, I, I'm a big believer in I'm in this for the marathon, not the sprint. So like if my 13-year-old tells me, that he got a D on the science test, how I react and respond to him and help guide him through that is going to determine whether or not he's going to pick up the phone when he's 17 and had too much to drink at a party or if right. he's going to drive drunk. Whether they're, I mean, it, it, we routinely, by overreacting to things or by not keeping them in perspective, we teach kids to catastrophize. Yes. Right? Like this is, yeah. you made a D, how could you do that? You know what I mean? Right. Like, and yeah, technically, you're right. I mean, they fucked up, but what lesson are you teaching them by hammering them on this one thing in the broader spectrum? It doesn't make a lot of sense to, to behave that way. It doesn't. 
It doesn't at all. But the, you know, the third question is what I call the Netflix to be continued question. Netflix, Prime, whatever, right? All these, all these amazing shows, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones or whatever. They always have this incredible hook point at the end of every episode where you're like, oh, I got to watch the next five minutes of the next episode just so I understand what happened. And then, of course, you're binge watching like eight episodes because they do that every episode. Mm-hmm. So the last question is, tell me what you're most excited about tomorrow. Now, I get a variety of different answers, right? And they'll, they'll kind of think about it and they'll be like, oh, man, dad, I... I actually have my cultural geography presentation tomorrow for the class. I've been working so hard on it. I've got all my slides done. I've rehearsed it. Like I'm ready to go right now when they, when they tell me something like that, what's the first thing I'm probably going to ask them about when I pick them up from school or I see them the very next day, Mm -hmm. ask them about that presentation. The message that, that that sends is I am a, I am in a continuous continuous conversation with you. Our relationship is a continuous conversation on the things that are most meaningful and important that are going on in your life. Mm. And of course, when I ask you like, dude, what happened on the presentation, man? Tell me all about it. That shows that like, man, my dad freaking cares. He is not asking me these stupid mundane questions. How was your day? Good, fine. Can you even feel the energy in that question? Like, how was your day? Boring. Right? Be like, dude, tell me about the culture geography presentation. How'd it go? Mm. Dad, I crushed it, man. I got an A. I crushed it. I rehearsed it. I knew it. It was awesome, right? That's that's how you end that off. And the other thing that's cool, too, is you're guiding them after a tougher question, that middle question, you're guiding them back into gratitude and mm-hmm. away into that conversation the next day. Yeah, that's exactly the way we do it. Like you always end on a positive note in the after action yeah. review for a very specific reason, right? And it's what you're, what yeah. you're talking about. I wonder from your... Uh, in this three question setup from your perspective, is there room um, somewhere between or included in two and three where you ask what they're nervous or anxious about in the future? I guess you could just yes. ask them now. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything you're nervous or anxious about? Yeah, I'm talking to you. No. He's, <laughs> he's too not. tough for that. He's. He- He's off school today for yeah. snow, so he doesn't have a whole lot no, to be nervous about. Yeah, but I wonder from your perspective if that if that's a useful thing to ask the kid as well, because then you can maybe get ahead of some problems and start doing you start using the same plans of action that you're developing in these other questions, but in a more proactive way, right? Instead of just responding to things. Totally. Yeah. You're you're laying the groundwork for let's be proactive with these conversations. Mm-hmm. But that's that's another what we call, you know, and, and again, that's another skill set that we teach is generative questions. Mm-hmm. Generative questions is like, hey, is there anything on the horizon that you're uncertain about or nervous about that you would like to share with me? Because bad news, right. does, this this is the thing that I've tried my best to hammer into the heads of 17 to 19-year-olds. Bad news doesn't get better with time, dude. You know, it, it's, 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 not. It, it's like that you're, these, your uh, tax bill, it's still going to be due when it's due. It's just the way it is. You're not going to get around that stuff. Um, that test that you have to study for, those finals at the end of the year, all that stuff is still a big part, uh, or it's still a reality of the situation. You know what I mean? So we yeah. have to deal with that. So, you know, let's deal with it. We let's do. come to me when it's, when we can still implement a plan and don't come to me the day before it's due, because that's not how that's going to work. Right. I agree. Um, I, I have something though, I think will make your day here. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, normally I, it, I, it's far and few between that I give the mic over to my nine-year-old, but he, he made a mention of what he saw here on the screen, and I think he wants to throw you a compliment. What do you want to tell him? He looks cool. You look cool. Oh, thanks, man. See, he's pumping me up. He's reversing. <laughs> he's reversing the whole thing. Right. He's like, yeah. he looks cool. I was like, I'm gonna give you the mic. Just tell him that. <laughs> it's the jacket. <laughs> my girlfriend. <laughs> my girlfriend sewed one of our patches on here for me, so I look tough now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, school day, huh? Or uh, snow day? I used to love those. No, it's not a snow day, really. It's just because of the sh- streets are so slippery. Mm. It's, it's an ice day. Yeah, well, either <laughs> way, you're at home, so that's better. <laughs> right. I love home. <laughs> <laughs> What's that hat? Is that a, a hockey team or something? No, it's a football. Football. Like a football team. And what, what football team is it? I don't remember. It's Liberty Eagles is what your brother plays for. Oh, yeah, Liberty Eagles. Is that a high school team? What is that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's a high school. Nice. Yeah. There you go. I there thought you. it was in the middle and, yeah, middle and. Well, it looks good on you, man. <laughs> Give it a mic back. Okay. <laughs> say, say goodbye and thank you. Bye. See you, Thank buddy. you. Yes, sir.
<laughs> That's funny. Yeah, take your time there. Um, yeah, so uh, we're getting getting ready to wrap up here. Sorry about that. No, do your thing. Uh, we're getting ready to wrap up here. I just wonder, um, well, first, give us some closing thoughts on all this stuff and, 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 and whatnot, and then uh, if you want, go ahead and tell people where they can find you and what kind of services you and your organization provide. Sure. Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, if, if a lot of what we talked about today, you know, cause we actually, what we really talked about today was were skill sets, right? Mm -hmm. Conversational skill sets that, that connect you to the people that mean most to you. Right. Uh, we always say at that edge, what we help men do is we help them create the relationships that they truly want under their own roof, right. That last a lifetime. Uh, if, if a lot of these things didn't seem, if they didn't seem familiar to you, like creating an environment of psychological safety, uh, generative questions, uh, using a skill set like the cube, um, you know, not being tied to the outcome through the validation of the yes and all those things. And if the three basic needs of you and your wife and your kids were all foreign, man, that's really okay. It's really, really okay. And so this is where I allow men, you know, I get them off the hook, right? We weren't raised with learning these things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it seems foreign to us. Now, if you're struggling in any of these areas, what I will tell and you do nothing about it, that's where the tough love comes in. Well, well, that's on you mm. because there are resources now that, that do teach these things. So if you want to create like these, you know, incredible relationships with your wife, your kids, even, co I mean, the same skills apply. You just have to tweak them differently in the workplace, how you lead people, all these different things. That's really, it's, it's, it's here now, right? As far as dad edge goes, um, everything we do, the podcast, I mean, it can be found on the dadedge.com and podcasting now for, eight years, uh, over a thousand episodes, um, just interviewed some amazing people. As far as like services, we have our mastermind group called that edge Alliance. That's our group coaching platform. And we help men with these things in those five areas. Uh, we've got a few online courses. And is that on, is that, on, sorry to interrupt. Is that on uh, like telegram or something? Where is it? Courses or yeah. what the, the, uh, I guess the group stuff, is that on your website or is it on group? Yeah. Is it on like group text or is it on telegram? Where is it? So what we do in the mastermind is we have a Facebook group called the Dad Edge Alliance, mm, okay. and then, but, but group coaching, we have, we obviously we use Zoom for that. We have 48 group coaching sessions per week, seven days a week, Monday morning, mon, um, I'm sorry, mornings, afternoons, and evenings, um, all uh, seven days a week. So and we help men in those, those, uh, those areas, those skill sets. Um, we have a handful of free resources too. So just some free trainings on just some basic things. But if you head on over to the dadedge.com, click on our resources tab in the nav bar, you'll see about three or four different free resources. It'll just give you a touch point and you can get a little bit of training, go out and execute mm -hmm. it, see how it works. Yeah. I think this kind of stuff, I, I do a lot of, uh, I do a lot of discussions, speeches, panels, whatever on, uh, addressing the veteran suicide issue right and for for us it's primarily male because you know 80 what is it 84 percent of the military is male i think so it's mostly a male problem um and you know we we do a lot in the way of platitudes and coddling people and telling them it's going to be okay and you know it's one or the other it's it's either get your shit together and stop whining or it's platitudes like, oh, you're okay. It's society's fault. But somewhere in the middle is the reality. And the, and the middle is the way our brains work. We're kinesthetic. It's like a very logical approach. Here's the problem. Here are the parts of the problem that we can define. And here are strategies to overcome those problems. That's, I think that's a much better way to deal with men, frankly, than to, you know, than to hug them and tell them it's going to be okay. I just don't think that's very effective for, for people like us. Um, so I really, I, I appreciate the fact that you've made this more, I guess, logic based, not, I don't mean logic as in that's logical. I mean, logic as in like programming logic, logic based. So, you know, yeah. uh, uh, it, it just makes sense to dudes that, that, that would be how it works. It right. Yeah. I think, I think men really, and don't get me wrong. There is, there's a time and a place for like, dude, get your shit together. Come on, man. Right. Sure. I mean, absolutely. Right. And there are times where I've told my, my boys that like, Hey man, you got to get, you got to get it together here. Okay. Like, and there's a time and a place for that. But I think men really resonate with the fact that these are tactical skills, right? They are tactics that you can use that you can learn 
and implement to have more effective conversations and connections, you'll actually be able to, especially with your kids, you'll be able to help them get their shit together if you know how to talk to them and they know how to talk to you and they feel good about it, right? I'm not saying that everything has to be sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is there are psychological elements and tactics that you can use to get the best out of them. Cool. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, look, I appreciate you coming on today. It's been a very interesting conversation. I think it will be uh, helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. Yeah, we'll do it again sometime soon. Uh, and thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.